1: Welcome to Draft Deeper on the No Ceilings NBA podcast feed. Thank you so much for joining us for this latest Monday morning edition of the show. Joining me as always is my co-host Maxwell Baumbach. Unfortunately, we have reached the point of the year where Stephen Gillespie will not be joining us on any episodes for the time being. He is on assignment for work, but Maxwell and I are ready to hold the fork down. And, And Maxwell, coming off of combine week, seeing the G-League Elite Camp, the NBA Draft Combine, which you've been covering at length for NoSillingsNBA.com. What better way to celebrate those two events plus the draft lottery than the latest edition of our mock posit Draft? How are you doing? Are you ready to get into this tonight?
0: I'm doing good. I'm I'm so excited. I finished my Combine recap piece today, almost 7,000 words. Let's go. Went hard, went hard on the Combine recap. Love Combine week love getting way too excited about how long guys wingspans are love uh completely reevaluating things because of a scrimmage uh but yeah no it's I I I do sincerely believe in the purpose the NBA combine I think there's a lot that we can take from it um so I'm just like super fired up about basketball I I feel like a renewed source of energy around the draft between like the excitement of like I was really high on this player and he did really well and the excitement of like well, hold on. Like I had this mm-hmm. guy so wrong. I need to dig back into the film. I need to see if this was just a hot game or if this was something else. Like it's such a fun time in the draft world and the lotteries happen. We know the draft order. Now we actually get to know what order the teams are picking in. We don't
1: have to fire it's up great. a tagathon So you know,
0: basketball is happening at the same time. Like, and it's, oh, man, I, I, yeah, it's a great time to be a basketball fan.
1: I love it. I agree. The The combine stuff, it, it's always so much fun getting all the, the testing, the measurements, the, the scrimmage games. I, I cannot get enough of it. But unfortunately, that time has passed. Now we are in, we are full steam ahead. It's, it's player workouts. It's pro days. It's all that fun stuff is in front of us as well as a month, uh, essentially 30 days out from the 2023 NBA draft in which we can come to all sorts of conclusions over reactions. We can fiddle with our board a million times before June 22nd. I have actually wrapped up my board and my rankings in terms of my evaluations and where I feel on these players. I announced that the day that we're recording this on, on May 21st, I'm in a great spot. Obviously it's not a 100% finalized board because there will be players who obviously do not stay in. I'll have to bump some guys in by default. I have, a few prospects who didn't make my top 100, who I have circled as who will go in. I have some draft and stash candidates who we will see if any of them hear their names called on draft night. But for the most part, my work is done. I can't wait to drop some breadcrumbs about a lot of these guys as we get closer to June 22nd. And, and what better place to start that than, as I said, it's mock posit draft 7.0 tonight here on Draft Deeper. So, how that works for the audience, in case you haven't heard any of our mock posit episodes in the past, Maxwell and I, we are the the tandem for this exercise this week. We put our big boards together to create a composite ranking of 1 to 60 between the two of us. We will use that pool of players exclusively, no other players outside of that top 60, just those 60 players to conduct a full 58-player mock draft selection with, of course, the updated order, right? As Maxwell mentioned, we had the lottery go by. The San Antonio Spurs have the number one overall pick. We finally know where Victor Webanyama is going to go, which makes the first overall pick technically not a surprise. Maxwell's got it. I'm sure he can provide any nuggets as to how he thinks that's going to play out with the Spurs. But that's what we're looking at for tonight's selection. Maxwell, Maxwell's going to go first. I will go second, and we will keep alternating picks all the way through till 58 because we can't just do a first round mock here it's it's draft mm-hmm. deeper we got to give you a little bit more than just the first round so maxwell you're on the clock number yeah. one overall i spoiled it i know i did but what do you mm-hmm. still think about victor women Well,
0: first? yeah real quick i just want i want to do a little bit of like tiny bit of housekeeping so sure um as we mentioned this is a composite of our boards this was taken from the last time we submitted our composite boards to no ceiling. so this is from about a week ago since so yes. this is pre-combine so if you're wondering like Where's Tristan Vucevic? Look, I got taken out (laughs) there. But if you're wondering, hey, where's Ben Shepard? Where's Omax Prosper? We nailed it. We nailed it. We got those guys on there. Uh, But yeah, guys like Seth Lundy, who I know that we were both really big on, who like, I played it too cute with Lundy. I was ranking him like 62 all year because I was like, oh, he's going to go undrafted. And that's the kind of undrafted guy I want. Probably going to have to draft him now. Uh, So there are a few guys that are missing. And there's conversely, a couple of guys that, that didn't do so hot in Chicago this week that may still be in there. Uh, yep. so that's a so great, that's that a great mind.
1: point, Maxwell. Yep. Yeah. Fantastic point.
0: Yeah. even a guy like Dylan Jones, I think is a guy that we kind of like, is an upside. I, that. I think I, a lot I of people, think, like, I, I think. have, listen, I have Dylan Jones right now, on my updated board that I just mentioned uh-huh. I at 60.
1: I really like him. Yeah,
0: I do too. I, I liked him a lot. Uh, preseason was a no stone guy. And then like throughout the year, like man, shout out, shout out to Bryce Simon at draft digest. Cause he was on me about Dylan Jones at points this year. And I was like, ah, I don't know, like another year, whatever. And then like, he was in great shape. at the Combine defended really well. Uh Definitely a guy that I would now swing on that. I probably wouldn't have uh, a couple weeks ago. So uh shout out to Dylan Jones, shout out to Bryce Simon for nailing that eval. Uh, but nevertheless, I'm on the board with the San Antonio Spurs, and I'm going to take Victor Wimbanyama for Metropolitan 92. He is the best player in this draft. He is, the mv he won like every award in the french (laughs) league like he won like best young player mvp like 80 defensive player of the year like he legit won every award in that league uh he's awesome he's seven foot five he's he's gonna shoot the three-point percentage isn't crazy right now but he's getting to be very experimental and take a lot of looks that he probably won't take right away in the nba maybe in time he will uh but yeah he's he's Exploring the studio space and doing everything he wants out there for a fantastic pro team that is yeah, that, that just hard won to play a playoff playoffs. game today. Yeah.
1: Twenty-two points, ten rebounds, five assists, two blocks, two steals, and a playoff game. Like, come on, what, He's what else a real do
0: deals? don't overthink it. It's Victor number one.
1: I, I agree. It is Victor number one, which leaves me on the clock at number two. The Charlotte Hornets, there there is going to be an incredible amount of debate as to what should the Hornets do with this pick. In case you missed it, we did actually publish a piece over on nocellingsnba.com last week in which a few of us got together as a panel and we both, uh, uh, a bunch of us wrote about what should the Charlotte Hornets do with number two overall, right? Who should they ultimately select with that pick? As I answered in that, as I'm going to be answering for a piece that I'm writing as well, early on in the week regarding some of the scenarios that may play out with these draft picks. I would take Scoot Henderson. This is not a surprise to me. Scoot Henderson's been number two on my board all year long. That is not going to change. I understand the arguments for Brandon Miller at number two. I really do. And when we've talked about this before, Maxwell, I've gone into detail about which teams would actually deny taking Scoot Henderson for Brandon Miller. Who should actually think about that? And funny enough, along with the Trailblazers who ended up getting the third pick, I also said the Hornets, right? I thought the Hornets should actually think about the whole Brandon Miller dynamic because they have LaMelo Ball in the fold. Here's the thing about LaMelo Ball. I'm not 100% sold that he's the right leader for this Hornets team moving forward. I get the talent. I get what he's done in a few years already in the NBA. I get that he has all-star upside. If he reaches his absolute peak, he has all NBA. All NBA upside. I understand all of that, but from what I've seen in terms of just breaking down his game apart from the statistics, I'm not 100% sold that I'm going to bet on him to take a team to the playoffs and win multiple rounds in the playoffs as you know the top guy on the team. Maybe not even the top two guy on the team. You know who Mm. I do bet winning those games? I bet on Scoot Henderson. I bet on the guy who I know from day one is going to do every single thing in his power to be the best version of himself that he can be. And that version of himself is the best point guard, pure point guard prospect that I've evaluated in my 12 years at, at trying my hand at at studying prospects for the NBA draft. That's how I feel about Scoot Henderson. And listen, I think those two guys can work. I think great players figure out how to play with other great players. And even if it doesn't work, you potentially have a valuable trade chip in LaMelo Ball that you can dangle out to other teams and say, maybe it didn't work with us, but look at the talent, look at the numbers, look at how we can produce. What would you possibly give us to, to build around, you know, the tandem of Scoot Henderson, Mark Williams, and still have some other interesting pieces there. But the point is, I do not feel the LaMelo Ball is the guy who would stop me from drafting Scoot Henderson. How, how do you feel about that whole Hornets dynamic before you're up with the third pick?
0: Yeah, I... I think that you just take Scoot. I know that like heliocentricity isn't totally going away, Um, but I think all the best teams left multiple guys that can get it done as shot creators yep. and scores and like. I don't know, like everyone like I feel like even with the Nuggets, people talk about them as as being like a very heliocentric team. And it's like, sure, but I mean, look what Jamal Murray did the other night. Like that yep. doesn't happen without Jamal Murray. Like you need you need those guys. And like even like Michael Porter Jr. and the development that he's had as a playmaker for others and some of the yep. stuff that he's done in recent games. Like you need multiple guys that can do stuff no matter what. And I'm not saying Brandon Miller can't do stuff. I think he can, but I think the idea of you don't take Scoot Henderson because one guy has the ball at a time is like just a very antiquated. Yep. idea uh, of how a basketball team is constructed and i think that not i don't know the hornets have had a pretty rough roster construction <laughs> the last few years so i don't want to be like lamella ball is why they're not winning but i mean we've seen lamella ball had an nba offense and i'm not like convinced he's the guy who's going to take you to the promised land Yep. um so i don't think it hurts to like get somebody who might be that and if if worst case scenario they're both awesome but not totally compatible you can always move one Yep. Like you always have that option. But I think
1: there's a better chance that they are more compatible. I do.
0: I think they are too, because one's a rim pressure guy and one's not. And I think that it's just two different types of playmaking that can, that can work well alongside each other. And they both have size and length. So I'm, I'm fully on board with you take scoot. I think that scoot, I I just, I'm a little bit less sold about Brandon Miller, reaching some of the high end outcomes just based on his numbers as a pull up two point shooter. His age, his rim finishing, things like that. Like I think it's going to improve, mm-hmm. but I, I think it does hold him back a little bit.
1: Which is completely fair. From him being, if Victor Wembanyama wasn't in this draft, mm. then that would tell me you're comfortable taking Brandon Miller with possibly the number one overall pick. I don't feel that way. I don't think mm. you quite feel that way. But that doesn't mean that he may not be a selection very soon here. Yeah, a number three. Maxwell, mm-hmm. you're on the clock with the Portland Trailblazers. Is this pick Brandon Miller or is it someone It else? is.
0: Yeah, and it is It is because I think he can fit either timeline that they want to shoot for. If they want to trade this pick, Brandon Miller is the guy that a lot of teams will be interested in. So it's not a bad way to go just solely for that point to have the asset of Brandon Miller, even if he's not a part of your long-term plans. Um, but if they do want to keep building on this young core, it's it's Anthony Simons, it's Shaden Sharp, both guys that don't love the defensive end of the floor. <laughs> and I think there's some concern about Brandon Miller as a defender because he's kind of skinny right now. His feet can be a little bit weird at times, but I think instinctually he does a very good job. And I think that as he just kind of continues to to fill out a stream and things like that, I think he's going to be a really good defender mm-hmm. at the NBA level. I, I truly believe that. Um, and I just think he's a nuclear, nuclear, nuclear shooter. And I think that even if, you're, if, if we're taking Damian Lillard out of the equation and we're just projecting forward – I, I really like the fit alongside guys like Shaden Sharp and Anthony Simons where he can do a little bit of playmaking, but he's also still going to be off the ball a good amount. Um, I do think with a guy like Shaden Sharp, who is as nasty downhill as he is, it almost takes a little bit of that like rim pressure concern off of him yep. where he can be on the perimeter pretty much full time if you need him to be. Um, and if you are going to play with Lillard, I think that he's probably the most like if if the Portland front office is just looking at it from the perspective of we want guys around Dame, this is probably the most ready to contribute to an NBA team guy. They, they don't
1: there. have any other small um, forwards on the roster who are legitimately ready at the catch and shoot for anything that Dame's doing. Out of yeah. pick and Roll those kickouts. Like they, they don't have, they need someone like a Brandon Miller on the roster They're yep. They're talking about trading the pick. Even if they go out there and they find some sort of quote unquote star small forward, they're still kind of looking for a guy that fits mm-hmm. the mold of a Brandon Miller. So he's, he is ideal for them.
0: Yeah. And I think, as I mentioned earlier, like I'm not totally sold on like the superstar outcomes for random Miller, but I think they're like pretty attainable star outcomes, not superstar, but star, like a guy who can make an all-star team or two. He's yeah. Like, six like, six third, nine. like
1: third banana. Yeah. yeah.
0: He's, he's a nuclear three point shooter. He's a fan. He offers fantastic positional rebounding. Like he's a really, really great rebounder. Grabbing. Yep. Yeah. And I think that, yeah, exactly. He's, he's a really good playmaker sees the floor. Well, um, I, I think a really underrated part of Brandon Miller's game is I think obviously just like big can shoot like that's like playoff guy material stuff. Um, like whenever you hear people talk about like drafting for the playoffs, right? Like Brandon Miller fits that. But I think one of his best skills is that when the game is not going his way, he still finds ways to bring a lot of value to the game. And I think with the guys that we'll talk about later at the combine this week, like it's pretty evident, like some guys just don't have that. And yeah. Brandon Miller's not one of those guys. you he gets after it on defense when the shot isn't going. He gets after it on the glass. He sets other guys up. You still can never ignore him because of his three-point shooting range, even when the shot isn't falling. Like, I, he's he's a really great player, and I, I love him at three, regardless of where the Blazers are going as an organization.
1: I agree. I think even though I don't have him ahead of someone like Scoot, because I think when the game breaks down at its tightest moments, I trust Scoot to be able to get his own shot better in those quote-unquote star areas of the floor than I do Brandon Miller. But Mm -hmm. if we're just eliminating that from the equation and we're looking at him versus some of these other guys in the field, I think Brandon Miller did more than enough at Alabama this year to separate himself from the other guys that we're going to choose in in this Mm -hmm. mock draft scenario. So, all right, Brandon Miller at number three. I'm up for the Houston Rockets. I have the fourth overall pick. Boy, I could go a number of different directions with this pick. I've I've laid out a number of interesting scenarios on, on social media over the weekend about, you know, what if I went this direction, then I went this way at 20, and then maybe trade into the first round to get another piece. Houston can do a variety of things, whether they want to package some assets together to consolidate or use their picks and continue to try to build around Jalen Green, uh, Tari Eason, Jabari Smith, Opera and Shengun. That last name though intrigues me the most Alper and Shengoon because if you believe in Shengoon he's the type of big man you can do things with that other teams just can't do in terms of running an offense in the half court having him in certain areas of the floor operating from the elbows passing guys open operating in dho sets he is such a unique element to the offense and we're seeing how it can work at its absolute peak N- no one's calling him Jokic, but i'm just saying you see how mm-hmm. it can work when you have the right system built around a big man passer like that.
0: Well, even the and, Kings.
1: Even for the Kings, right? Demonta Sabonis is doing a lot of the same stuff. And it almost makes you think about, we want to give the Rockets a point guard. And I think that's why I rushed to social media along with a lot of other very well-known names in the media space, putting a men Thompson to the Houston Rockets. A lot of people wanted to do that. That dynamic backcourt, right? The amount of athleticism that could be fueled there between having Jalen Green as well as a man Thompson. You have multiple guys able to work off of each other, put rim pressure. Shen Goon could pass a man Thompson open in certain off-ball schemes. But why wouldn't you go a Sar Thompson if you really do want to go a Thompson to it? And I think that's where I'm going. I'm going to take a Sar Thompson fourth to the Houston Rockets because... Wow. I, I believe in a lot of the same passing instincts with a, are there for a sore than a man, maybe a men's a little flashier. But I uh-huh. think a sore has plenty of playmaking field to play off of either Alper and Shen or split responsibilities with Jalen Green, who regardless of who ends up manning that position for the Rockets, they're not going to just shove Jalen green in the corner and be like, you're not going to operate in all these different pick and roll scenarios. And we're not going to put the ball in your hands either. Right. Mm-hmm. And I trust the source shooting right now, more than a man, obviously. I think he can also get to the rim. I get there's finishing concerns, but I think he does enough to get himself to spots to where he can get better at finishing. I like how he sets himself up. I like how he can set others up. And then defensively, I, I actually do like a SAR within a team construct defending more than I do a man Thompson right now.
0: So I would agree with that. Mm -hmm.
1: I think for all of those reasons, because you have two pieces like Jalen green and opera and shangoon, I'm going to go with a SAR for the Houston Rockets. Now, Maxwell, I'm curious to your thoughts on that, but I will also say if this were, let's say this was the Spurs who dropped the number four and the Spurs were here. I would I would select a man Thompson for the Spurs because I don't think there's anyone within that offense outside of Devin Vassell who would command any sort of reps like that on the <laughs> ball within the offense. And I think they need somebody like a Men Thompson to take lion's share of that offense. So I think because you have those other two guys that are in Houston, I've actually talked myself into a SAR. Your thoughts?
0: I still like a man. I, okay. I still think a Men has the higher ceiling. And if I'm the Rockets, I'm like, just swinging for the fences at this point, even if I think the shot is further behind and I think he's worse at the complementary elements of basketball than his brother. Um, I like a men here because I think the rocket situation with the email as a head coach is exactly what a man Thompson needs. Okay. And I think he's the guy that's going to unleash that upside because I think so I've got, I've got a glut of guys in this tier. Um, I think with a man, he, he needs to do stuff without the ball. On offense, yeah, he does. Uh, because right now he likes to stand around and he's not a floor spacer, uh, so that makes him very easy to guard because you just stand at the basket while he stands at the three point line. Uh, but he is just so dynamic downhill, and I think that if you can find ways to utilize him a little bit more and have him kind of running around a bit more, and I think Adoka can do that, and I think Adoka will hold him accountable when he does it. Mm-hmm. Um I, I just love that fit. And I would kind of just go with the higher upside guy. I think he's a bit better of a passer on the go than Asar is. I think that's a, a pretty big differentiator for me as far as their game. And I think he's a lot better as a finisher, uh, like quite a bit better. I think Asar. Really like I like they both get the, the like spacing excuse like when they're having a hard time at the rim, but I think there's a real difference in terms of like their grace when they have to take a tough angle at the basket. I don't mm-hmm. love a men's angles. I wish he wasn't so contact diverse, but I do think he contorts and keeps his touch better sure. than Asar does. So I would go a men just I think the upside's higher, and I'm I'm trying to do everything I possibly can to get high upside guys if I'm Houston. That's completely
1: fair. So I I, I left that other Thompson twin on mm-hmm. the board for you at five you're up with the detroit pistons i'm i think i know where you're gonna go with this pick i'm curious though what your final answer is
0: yeah i'm i'm taking somebody else in that same tier that i just mentioned so i made the case for a minute four but i'm not taking him at five i'm taking cam whitmore at yep. five um i like him a lot and i think that this is like a great dual fit um this detroit team still needs a lot of shooting on it um when they traded Sadiq Bay it took away just like another perimeter option on a team that is not a great three-point shooting team um and they've got 85 centers on their roster right now so uh they 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 need they need they need the floor spacing but um I think as a transition partner with Jaden Ivey is a guy who can take tougher defensive assignments um, at the forward spot is someone who is going to catch and shoot and is going to be in a position where the big weakness with him is his passing. And he's not going to have to be on the ball a ton in this lineup with Cade and with Jaden Ivy. He can play off the ball. He can screen for Ivy. He can, he can roll to the basket. He can cut, he can spot up on the perimeter. There's going to be a lot of ways that you can utilize him and just kind of nurture those elements of his game while still having him be a, a conducive productive player on the floor at the same time. And I I also Mm -hmm. just think that like, there's a degree of athletic nastiness to him, Ivy and Duran, that is a young core. That's like a very exciting kind of pairing to have. And there's not going to be a lot of teams that have that sort of athletic pop to them. Nope. Um, So I I love the fit. I love what he's going to bring defensively. I really buy the jump shot with him. The connective tissue does need to come along, but I think a team like Detroit, where there's going to be other guys that are growing into those same roles too, and, and are dealing with a heavier share of that, uh, is a great way for him to just kind of foster that development.
1: My favorite fit in the lottery mm-hmm. is Cam Whitmore. I think by a mile to the Pistons than than anywhere else. Hundred yeah. percent in agreement. We are going to take a very quick break. When we come back, we will continue on our mock posit exercise in the lottery. All right. And we are back. I am up number six overall, the Orlando Magic. So we have taken the top four players in our composite rankings, which were Victor Wembanyama, Scoot Henderson, Brandon Miller, and Cam Widmore in that order. And I reached a little bit down the board to take Asar at four overall. He is eight in our rankings. So a men's still on the board. There are some other fun options on the board. I am actually going to go with Taylor Hendricks. Oh, What? I'm going to go Taylor Hendricks. Oh, man, that's who I was eyeing. Okay. So the reason why I'm going to take Taylor Hendricks is there's been a lot of talk about who actually fits with this Orlando Magic roster and what they should look to do from a roster construction standpoint. I think Taylor Hendricks slots in perfectly in between Paolo and whoever else you want to play at center, whether that's. Wendell Carter, whether that's Bull Bull getting some minutes at the five, and then you still have this massive lineup of, let's say it's Wendell Carter, Taylor Hendricks, Paolo, Franz, insert point guard here, likely Fultz or Suggs, one of the two. Either way, I like Franz at the two. I, I While I do see value in him being a three long-term and Paolo being the four, I think Franz handled playing the shooting guard position very well, this year for Orlando. He did quite a bit of it because they don't have a natural two guard and they could still swing around and get another two guard at some point in this lottery spoiler alert, pick number 11 coming up. But even if that is his destiny to play the two, when you talk about having guys like Paolo Bencaro defensively and guys like Franz Wagner defensively who don't move as quick as we'd probably like them to within certain concepts, defending against certain players, what better way to sort of hide some of those deficiencies by default than just having this jumbo size lineup on the floor where they just take up so much space naturally and they're able to cover a lot easier for everyone else. And you'd have a guy like Wendell Carter who has good defensive instincts, defending around the basket. You bring in Taylor Hendricks, who is arguably the best weak side shot blocker in this entire draft class, who's not named Victor Wemanyama. And you put him next to somebody like a Wendell Carter. Now you're talking about essentially making sure there's always going to be a presence defending shots around the basket while also having these other two guys in the wings who can just take up space, dig down and it makes it incredibly hard for guys to really get the types of shots that they want. And then, oh, by the way, you still have faults defending at the point of attack or Suggs. So that to me is a lineup that can succeed defensively and sort of mask some of those deficiencies while also keeping the floor space for everyone else on offense. Cause Taylor Hendricks is one of the best spot up shooters that we have in this class. Certainly, the best at his arguably the best at his size in terms of his positional group. So what do you think about that pick? Maxwell Taylor Hendricks to the magic.
0: Um, I get it. I do have him a tier down and I love Taylor Hendricks. I, I am a huge, huge Taylor Hendricks guy. Um, my thing is I'm just not positive. It's like the best, use of Franz to have him like chasing sure Jews and things like that so I would I would have so probably gone with the person I'm going to take next here um but yeah I I think the idea of that amount of length is fascinating though and I do think it's worth exploring I just wouldn't have done it with a Thompson still on the board, sure. is ultimately where I come down sure so you're going to be up with the
1: Indiana Pacers mm-hmm are you taking a man Thompson? Or are you taking I,
0: I am. I, I know they I know they don't need more guards. I know that their roster has a million cards on it. And I know that they need to get bigger, but Amen is is in that that tier for me where I, I just don't I don't feel comfortable breaking it at this stage. I think he does have franchise changing upside. I, I think again the dynamic like we talked about with Scoot and Lamelo, kind of similar with Halburton, where Halburton's gonna get downhill a little bit better, but Um, I think having the pace heavy guard and the transition kind of fast bursty guard is a really fun combination. Um, I think with their length, that makes them a very formidable backcourt. You're kind of counting on Matherin to become a three. Like the fit isn't ideal. I like Matherin a lot more as a two, Um, but I'm ultimately a big believer in his game. I think there's a lot of interesting forwards in this draft. This is a team with multiple picks. I'm hoping I can get somebody else later down the board that kind of fits the need a little bit better um, because those players are hard to get. Every team wants fours and threes with size. So yeah, I, I, I'm just taking a men Thompson. I'm taking a big swing. I'm hoping to get a franchise changing player in Indiana to pair alongside uh, Tyrese Halberton had that be my backcourt of the future and hope everybody else keeps growing.
1: So the only player within our composite top eight that we have not selected is still on the board, right? Jairus Walker, who we have, I believe at sixth, within our composite rankings
0: mm-hmm.
1: he doesn't make the the easy the, the most sense for Washington right he's not the easiest fit within that front court they have guys like Kyle Kuzma they have Chris they they do have some sort of a need everywhere on the roster but that forward spot does seem to be one place you still have guys like Danny Avia there that does seem to be a place where there could possibly be a little bit more clutter than we'd initially anticipate when looking at the roster. So for that reason, I will take a guard who I've started to feel a lot better about as this process has gone on. Someone who, even if he doesn't reach his highest level upside as someone who can be more of that that heliocentric type of creator, I think will still be great connective tissue at the very least. I will take Anthony Black for the Washington Wizards. <sighs> And I will hope that he can be the type of point guard that this Wizards team desperately needs, which is someone who can create shots for Kyle Kuzma, for Christoph Porzingis, for Bradley Beal, and actually take some pressure off of Beal to where he doesn't have to have all of the responsibility on his shoulders in terms of both scoring and playmaking. I get that they have some other options, but we don't know how long somebody like Monte Morris is going to be on the roster. It doesn't seem like the Wizards still want to try to further experiment with Point Denny. Like, at the end of the day, the ball is in Bradley Beal's hands. And it just seems to me like he would be much better served as a scorer and as a shooter to have more possessions where he's not forced to, to run, pick, and roll, to dissect, break down the defense, to, to get others involved, right, at, at that point of the offense. So give me someone who can put pressure on the rim who can break down a defense, who's still working on a scoring package in terms of shooting the ball. But if all of that comes together for him, which I'm growing more confident that it will, I do not hate his shot. I think it just needs more reps and some more time to to work itself out. But give me that guy who can start creating for others and and break that offense up a little bit in terms of it's bradley beal's turn then it's kyle kuzma's turn then it's Chris porzegas's turn let's get a little more ball movement going let's inject someone like anthony black in there what what do you think about that pick
0: i i like it a lot i think anthony black is the real deal like and he's one of those guys like i always say like i'm not mr intel like i'm not a guy who like that's not we're not like a news like kind of you know site like we're we're in like evaluation site so yep. that's not like our that's not our bag but it does seem like anytime i speak to anybody in basketball somehow someone's like and you know anthony black is like the greatest human being <laughs> of all time <laughs> like, like it's, yeah like every, every time we come across anthony black stuff it's always someone being like uh he is the the smartest hardest working greatest player on earth And it's like wow all right like everybody's just got glowing things to say about him that i'm really comfortable betting on anthony black the guy um, so I, I like the pick. I think Washington is at a point where like there, there are no sacred cows within the Washington wizards organization. Like you've nobody's like not worth drafting over. Yep. Nobody's like truly carved out a, a place as a figurehead within the organization. Like you just gotta, yeah, take the guy that you like best. Um, and, and, and they yeah, just, like they that.
1: haven't tried to draft somebody who can be the straw that stirs the drink. Right. Like, so I think in, in, in their minds, I feel like they would love if Amen Thompson fell to them, right? I, I think they would love to bring someone with his athletic package, but also his ability to make plays for others. And if Amen Thompson isn't available at eight, I feel like Anthony Black could be the next best thing for this team in terms of what we feel they need. Mm-hmm. So I am definitely mucked up this draft order because I took a SAR number four. So yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I, I definitely threw this thing off the rails, but.
0: Mm-hmm. Again,
1: we still have eight of our top nine composite players off the board. So even though there's a little there's some fits uh-huh. that some of the listeners may seem questionable, we're still, in my opinion, drafting the right guys in in terms of who's actually going this high up in the draft. Uh-huh. So Maxwell potentially has a nice gift who fell to him at number nine, if he would like to draft this player or he can go somewhere completely different and just continue to throw this mock posit off. the rim.
0: What if, what if I tell you that I'm going to pass on this gift that you have given me? <laughs>
1: Even, I think some people on those ceilings are about, they're going to be upset. Minds. I, they're I gonna think they're going to be
0: really upset when yep. they find out why I'm passing on it too. Yep. So, so Jairus Walker is, he's the elephant in the room here, right? Like he is the best player on the board. Uh, one could say he is a very safe prospect because he's such yep. a good defender. He's such a smart passer, but look, I'm the Utah Jazz. I'm in a similar place. I've got Walker Kessler. I know that he's going to be my long-term big man, but, other, but I don't really have like a franchise guy. And you if I perhaps see a player on the board with a lot of offensive upside who maybe is a pretty, pretty bad defender, uh, I feel pretty good knowing I've got Walker Kessler behind him. Yep. So I am going to swing and take our guy, Bryce Sensibaugh, yes. from Ohio State, oh. with the number nine pick in this draft. I think it's just one of those things where the fit is a little too tasty for me. I can't. I love I, 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 love Jairus. I think Jairus is going to be a really good player. I do think Bryce has a higher ceiling than Jairus. And I think this is like the environment for that to happen, right? You've got Will Hardy, who's shown himself to be a really good NBA coach already. You've got a fantastic big man around him. Even at like the wing spot, you've got Ochai who I'm like pretty comfortable, like giving a tougher defensive assignment to, if I need to, Yep. um, as he continues to develop, they're still just kind of thin on those wings, man. Like they, there's, they can either play giant or, you know, they end up playing a little bit small, you know, playing two guards and things like that. And I think Bryce is a great roster fit, but I also think he's the highest. He might be the highest upside player on the board at this stage. And I think that he just—it's—it's—he it, fits like a glove. And I know you don't want to draft for fit. Um, and I think there could be an argument that like a Jerris Walker Kessler defense would be unbelievable. And it—and it would be. Don't get me wrong. I think I'm just a little bit lower on the Jerris shot coming around. Um, and I'm, I'm just so not so wild that that about, reason yeah.
1: the shot is exactly why I did not take him at number six. He was yeah, the other yeah. player who I obviously had in consideration at number six. I could have talked myself into taking him as high as four to the mm-hmm. Houston Rockets because even though they have Jabari Smith Jr. there, they don't have the, the type of athletic, in my opinion, more switchable presence and in, in terms of the amount of big men that he can cover as well as helping in some other areas in the space like Jabari Smith can right now at this stage. Mm-hmm. They don't have another guy quite like him on the roster either, so I could I could talk yeah. myself into taking him higher. I understand though why he's falling in this exercise, and I love that you took Bryce Cesaba within yeah. the top. You got to sw- you
0: got to swing when you're at this stage of a rebuild, and like I know they've got a bunch of Minnesota picks, but like I don't want to say the problem with the Jazz is that they're not bad, but they're not bad. So it's like you when you're picking in this kind of range, you can you know you can get guys who are solid pretty consistently, but it's tougher to find that like future all-star at eight or nine and if you if you can swing on a guy that you think might be that i think you do it
1: i i agree with you 100 maxwell listen we he is 10th in our composite ranking so clearly we value him as someone who can get his own shot who can fit alongside others who create shots he can be someone who catches and shoots he can shoot off movement he can get downhill he can he has in my opinion, the ability to develop as as a really crafty pick-and-roll type scorer. The, there's just way too many fun outcomes for Bryce offensively, in my opinion, to leave him outside of the top 10, top 11 picks. So Jairus Walker ends up falling to the Dallas Mavericks, which if I'm the Dallas Mavericks and Jairus Walker on the board, I am Love running mm-hmm. to that podium because he is the type of defensive presence that Dallas has not had on their roster for quite some time, right? And he can cover up a lot of holes. He can check a lot of boxes. If he does hit his ultimate upside, I would argue it may be higher than Bryce's if he hits his ultimate upside, but there's going to be more work to get there, right? We saw IMG Jarris was the type of player who you could give the ball to on the low block and the high post. You could have him catch and shoot. He was comfortable doing a lot of these more perimeter oriented things and I've literally seen him do these things in person in college when Houston played Temple. Corey Tolba and I were right front row watching him do these things, but he also didn't do a lot of them at times, or he wasn't as comfortable in certain situations doing them at times. I think he's gonna, he's gonna need a little bit of experience, a few reps to get more comfortable with being more of a quote unquote shot creator. But in the meantime, if he is someone who's more of a play finisher and needs guys to set him up, there is no better guy right now than Luka Doncic in terms of setting mm-hmm. other guys up for easy shots. So he would incredibly benefit from having that guy in the offensive end and then cover up a whole bunch of holes that team has defensively. So Jairus Walker at 10 makes too mm-hmm. much sense. Maxwell, you're up. Orlando Magic via the Chicago Bulls, 11th overall pick. To recap, I went Taylor Hendricks at number six. This team still needs your 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 nice little shooting guard spot, right? To to make up mm-hmm. for when Franz isn't playing that that two spot. So where are you going with the eleventh pick?
0: I could go two guard, and I'm not. I'm gonna give them their like ninetieth defensive oriented point guard with this pick, and take Case and Wallace. Okay. I- I know, I know, I know the fit's not great. You still want more shooting. You want more dynamic shooting. I get it. I really considered Jed Howard here. I really did. And maybe I, maybe I just should have taken him, but um, I'm just ultimately really bullish on Taylor Hendricks. Or, no, no, I'm sorry, on, on Kacen Wallace. And I think that if you're going to pair him with Taylor Hendricks and with Paulo Bancaro and with Franz Wagner and with Wendell Carter, we're like, the, the I think one of the concerns of the magic is like, you don't have a true five, like unless you're a big bull bull believer. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and even then, like he weighs 150 pounds. Uh, <laughs> I didn't look that up. That's my, my estimate. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that you kind of want to take defense wherever you can get it. If you're yep. not going to have like a true defensive anchor rim protector. Um, I think Kaysen brings that. I think Kaysen is just a really underrated offensive player. Uh, And I know John Hollinger made mention in this piece this past week that there might be some medical concerns with Wallace that his back injury is not something that's very common in young players and that might be cause for concern. I'm never going to know that. So I'm I'm just drafting based on what I saw this college season. And I liked Mm -hmm. what I saw. I saw a guy who can score at all three levels. And his shot did taper off a bit later in the year. He did look a bit stiff later in the year. But he also continued to get to the rim late in the year he grew as a playmaker later in the year his handle looked better he was making better reads he still got at it defensively if he was able to do that through a back injury i'm i'm very optimistic about what a fully healthy case in wallace can look like if he can be that um i think he's just worth a swing i i think if you just look at the rim pressure numbers from guards in this class he's one of the best kobe buffkin got there a lot but he got there assisted a lot um yeah, I, I'm just a huge, huge believer in what Casey Wallace is gonna do. Six, eight wingspan too helps helps every inch helps some guard twos, right? So yep, if he is yeah.
1: playing next to another point guard,
0: him and I Suggs, mean, you can find ways to do it yep. if, if if they can shoot. And I, I do think Caseen can shoot. So um like really, really good pull-up two-point shooter, better on pull-up threes than a lot of other guards in this class too. Pretty good taking those under pick and rolls. Like I don't think guys are gonna love to go under on him you, in time. You,
1: you know, you know what number that you threw out. In one of your pieces, absolutely, like blew my mind, and I was mm-hmm. like, "Oh shit, we need to think about Case and Wallace a little more." When you laid out how much he got to the rim unassisted and how yeah. he finished on those looks, like we we knew he had yeah. the floater game, we really, we can really make good an open jump shot. Rim. We knew we could make like a pull-up mid-range shot, but when you add that third level at the basket, which is an underrated, you know, aspect of guards' offensive games, in my opinion, you add that to the mix, and you're looking at in terms of skill package one of the more complete guards that we have a, r- a big reason why I could have taken case Wallace at number eight th- th- mm-hmm. to the Washington wizards. And I could have had him playing alongside Bradley Beal. And even what you're doing with the magic here, Maxwell, I think our two picks, even though they might not be what consensus is thinking about, you're giving the magic freedom to play all of these different lineups, right? You're giving them lineup versatility by default, all these different mix and match combinations and the more that we watch playoff basketball, if we do want to talk about drafting for the playoffs, the, the more I think we need a team to have those versatility, that versatility in terms of creating different lineups and just being able to give a coach the ability to go down his bench or, or look at this different lineup construction or that and say, you know what, maybe this didn't work for us, but. We do have confidence because we were able to try this in the regular season. Let's let's go a little differently. Let's try that, and I think that's what we're doing with the magic right here with these picks. And I, I love that the, you took a different approach and you went somewhere like Case and Wallace. And in order be damned, we're still picking our top eleven players mm-hmm. in our composite ranking. So I love that we did that. Okay, I'm on the board at number twelve. I'm in I'm in a tough spot because I know I know what's been mocked. There are there are two guys who are much more popular picks amongst consensus for the Oklahoma City Thunder. There's a guy who I really love, who who I could also talk myself into taking, but I'm not going to do it. I'm going to make the pick that I've been arguing for for the Thunder for weeks now, and that's Derek Lively. I'm going to take Derek Lively oh, for okay. the Oklahoma City Thunder. The the reason why I'm doing that is I I buy his defense around the basket from day one. I buy his shot blocking ability, his rim protection, his rim deterrence, even though he isn't this massive body either in terms of girth, I still like his overall size and his athletic package at over seven feet. right? He's the seven foot one, gives you another option to defend the basket, somebody else to put next to Chet Holmgren. And when you have both of those guys on the floor at the same time, Good luck finishing around the basket unless you're one of the, the bigger centers in the league like a Joel Beater or Nicole Jokic, right? If you're a team that, that build prides itself around driving to the basket, you know, getting different looks off penetration, good luck doing that against those two shot blockers because they're two of the best that we have. Out of the last two drafts, they're both smart players. I do buy their instincts, their timing, their leaping ability in the case of Lively. And then the other interesting aspect to Lively's game that Raphael Barlow's been calling out because he's been at the Combine this past week, he's knocking down some jump shots, Maxwell. Mm-hmm. Three-point shots apparently looking really solid. And I get that that's not going to be in his game from day one in the NBA, but if you already get his high level finishing ability in terms of lobs, catches, offensive rebounds, you get the the passing that we've talked about on this podcast out of the short roll, you know, kicking the ball out off of an offensive rebound when it needs to go out. And then you get the deep shot making potentially thrown in there, you know, year two, year three, year four. This could be one of the most intriguing front core pieces that we have in the draft and a big reason why I have a lottery grade on him. There are some other names and I'm sure you might throw out a few that I could have went with, but I'm just going to go with Derek Lally. I think it's a good pick if I were the thunder.
0: Yeah. I like it a lot. I think, I think he's really good. Um, and I think that pairing him with guys like chat, especially with like with the stuff check can do as a passer with him, in the dunker spot. Like he, he just fits that roster really well. He helps with the rebounding. Um, he's it's gonna the passing for me too. Like- and yeah, that's the thing is he's like, they love guys that can pass and like, he he can really pass especially after a rebound like he's he's great he's great
1: so you're up pick number 13 Mm -hmm. for the toronto raptors again a number of fascinating directions you can go what are you going to do with it
0: yeah i'm going to be kind of i don't know i think they've got some really serious issues here uh my daughter is currently grabbing my foot and going crazy (laughs) she might be making a guest (laughs) appearance on the show here um I I think this is still a team that desperately needs shooting and playmaking. And I don't love some of the upside bets given like the overlap that they have with some of the other players on the roster currently. Um, I'm going to take Jet Howard here. Okay. I know this is like a guy that's been falling down boards and whatever, but I think Jet is still a really good playmaker, a really good movement shooter. Like his touch is is genuinely special. Um, I I wrote about a couple weeks back, like, The only guys who have his free throw percentage, long two percentage and three point percentage as a high major freshman are like Malik Monk and Trey Young. Like he's it's six, seven. There aren't a lot of guys that can put the ball in the basket like I can. I do think the ankle injuries sapped him pretty significantly. I think if you look at the film at the beginning of the year, he was moving a lot better. And I do think he did better at some of like the defensive fundamental stuff later in the year because he had to. Yep. Uh, because he couldn't move. <laughs> so when a guy is struggling to get back on offense, that's how, you know, they're actually hurt. You know, when a guy's hobbling, Oh, I, don't, I can't really go defend. That's one thing. But when a guy doesn't want to get back on offense, that's how you know they're in real pain. And that's the case with Chad Howard. I think he brings them some shooting. And I do think he's another guy that's going to help move the ball on a team that kind of struggled to do that. So yep. I, I think he fills two needs, even if it is like, are you just taking Gary Trent with worse defense? I might be, maybe, but I, but, I, but I think he's got a little bit more playmaking juice in than, than Gary Trent did. I, th- I, think I think you're taking that- a
1: guy who's three to four inches taller, someone yep. who yep. I trust as a secondary playmaker operating out of DHO sets, pick and roll mm-hmm. sets, and then you talked about all the shooting versatility with him. That, that team just needs versatility, scoring, and, in and playmaking way. in the half court, period. Yep. In, in any way you can get it, Jed Howard, I would agree with you, in my opinion, is the best fit to do that, that we have left on the board. My turn to make a selection at 14 for the New Orleans Pelicans to close out the lottery. A team that I get that they had their struggles this year. A lot of that had to do with Zion Williamson's health or lack thereof. Brandon Ingram was hurt a lot more than than we'd care to admit. Their two stars were out. So it was C.J. McCollum and a cast of guys who weren't quite ready to step up in the role that they were asked to step up to. So honestly, anytime you look at a squad in the NBA and they're without their two best players for significant portions of the year, they're probably not going to do as well as we would have initially projected them to. Still, I think they have a ton of good pieces on the roster to keep building around. I think they have a legitimate future that they can continue to add to this offseason. So I still think they have a little bit more freedom to go off the board with this pick, which is why Mm -hmm. I'm going to go with the guy that that I would have loved to go with the pick 12. I didn't. I'm going to take him here. Bilal. Koulibaly. Everyone at this point who listens to the Draft Deeper podcast, who just follows me on social media, knows that I can't stop talking about Bilal Koulibaly. But nevertheless, what hasn't he shown at Met 92 at this point? Now he's playing playoff minutes, put up an efficient 10 points, grabbed a few boards for that team in a playoff setting. A guy who was in French's junior division, right, Espoir playing there for a bulk of the year, dominated that league comes up to play with Victor and has fit in incredibly well as a release foul for that team, as an energy guy, an offensive rebounder, a transition threat, a craftier than given credit for a half court score. And one of the best wing defenders that we have in this entire draft class, it's going to take some time. He's going to need some seasoning to, to properly marinate, to get to be the player that we expect him to be. If we're taking him in the lottery but if you are patient with him, like I think the Pelicans can afford to be patient with him, boy, the results could be scary. And you're talking about if you throw out a lineup with Brandon Ingram and, and Trey Murphy and Zion and, and Bilal and CJ, like you're the amount of offense along with defensive balance just based on the size, length, and then versatility you could have with somebody like Zion. If he can come back and play the type of defense that we know is there inside of him along with some other secondary rim protection that you can find later on the roster and other point of attack defenders like Herb Jones, Alvarado, like this team could just be absolutely scary. So I will take the upside swing with Bilal at at 14. Do you have any other thoughts that you want to throw in about Bilal?
0: Love him. I love him. I love the pick. I I think he's great. Simple as that.
1: Easy pick. Easy pick. Easy day to make that pick. We will take Mm. another break when we come back. We will start flying through picks much quicker. We will close out. The the first round, and then we will look to move into the second round. All right, and we are back. Maxwell, we will start flying through these picks a little bit quicker. Pick 15, the Atlanta Hawks, you mm-hmm. are on the clock.
0: Uh so with the Atlanta Hawks, I am still kind of wanting to like swing for upside here because I, I don't really quite know what's happening. Right. Like it seems a little bit, obvious. no one knows Constant, what's happening. With like weird Trey young stuff. They still just need good, good basketball players. Right. Like I, I, there's a number of needs. They don't take a lot of threes. Like there's just a lot of stuff. I, one guy who I think could profile well in time with this team is like the one guy, right. Constantly in trade rumors, John Collins. Um they're not very big positionally like Clint Capella at 610. is like the biggest suit on the team. They've got a bunch of like big wings that don't quite protect the rim or whatever. I'm going to take Leonard Miller here.
1: Oh, I knew you were going to do it. And I, wanted I think to it's do like,
0: it. yeah, I think it's a bit of an odd fit in some senses because like he doesn't really space the floor. And this is not a team that like I mentioned, doesn't shoot a lot of threes. But I think what he does bring them is somebody who's going to run the floor and I don't think we will be bothered by playing a lower usage role because he's going to find ways to contribute even if he's not being given the ball. Um, so I think for that reason alone, um, he's going to fit. But I think you're going to hope that AJ Griffin is going to keep coming along and you're yep. going to hope that like that in and of itself is going to generate more three point looks. Um, his development is, is it me or is
1: like to- when you watch the Hawks, they seem a little soft? Right and like I know that like Trey Young's yeah. like for the playoffs. Like I, yeah. I know that he is that guy, Ice Trey. But when you look at some of the other pieces on the roster, there just seems to be an, an ingredient missing. And I'm not going to call one mm. particular player soft. Like I'm, I'm not going to do yeah, that to yeah, insult yeah. a bunch of NBA players. But there, there just seems to be that that ingredient missing. That muck up ingredient that yeah. Leonard Miller just seems perfect to come in and play from day one.
0: For sure. And I think that there are ways that like, right, we're both kind of optimistic about him eventually becoming a guy that can um, maybe play five in a pinch. And like, I think if everything hits with this team, there are going to be ways that you can do that with like Sadiq Bay with AJ Griff whatever. Like I I just kind of like how he fits. I like how he fits with the current core and I like how he fits with the youngest core that they have. Um, And yeah, I'm just a firm believer. He's a guy who's going to find a way. So I I I really like him in Atlanta and if you look at the way that they developed John Collins, I think Kim and Leonard actually kind of had some of the same flaws like coming into the league um, as far as like John Collins wasn't the best jump shooter, like didn't really even take jump shots coming out of wake. And like that was an area where they helped him develop. So they, they, they've helped guys develop their shooting in the past. And I think that's another reason to be a little bit optimistic here.
1: I I, I love the pick. I, I, I thought you were going to do it. I wanted you to do it and you did it. So congrats to you, Maxwell. I love the pick. Utah jazz via the Timberwolves at number 16. I will take a player who by consensus, I think has fallen a little bit to this point, given where he apparently is sitting now. And he could certainly go in the lottery when, when all is said and done, Mm -hmm. we don't have him ranked there compositely, but I can 100% see scenarios in which he goes there. Kobe Bufkin, the the player who apparently is the best Michigan prospect, (laughs) according to consensus, we have just thrown out the, the Jed Howard sweepstakes apparently, but nevertheless, Kobe Buffett would be a great fit for Utah if they went the direction of taking a wing or a forward like a Bryce Sensibar, if they would have taken Jairus Walker. If they don't take one of Amen, AB or Kason Wallace, this is the type of guard they would want to swing around and take at 16. And he he's not a, a pure point guard right now. He may never be mm-hmm. a pure point guard, but he is a true combo who offers scoring upside, right? We love how he, I love how he finishes around the basket, how he can hunt for a shot in the mid range. He has improved as a three point shooter. He's improved as a decision maker. His point of attack defense is something to really point out. Uh, He is a guard who isn't afraid to mix it up on the glass either. So there are a number of boxes that he can check, albeit not checking them in the quote unquote conventional point guard way. Nevertheless, I just love him as someone who eventually Utah is going to be able to put the ball in his hands and they trust what he's going to do with it in terms of setting up others or knowing when to go get his own. I love that Kobe Buff can pick at number 16 Maxwell. Oh boy. Mm -hmm. The pressure that's on you right now, making picks for the Lakers or the Knicks is never fun because the fans can just come at you in waves. But Mm -hmm. will you make Lakers fans happy with who you're taking at 17?
0: I hope so. I, So I think I think this is like a, a play it safe pick that that does fill a need. But I do think this guy is going to be a, a useful NBA player long term, too. So I like it just in terms of what I'm getting for the 17th pick. I'm going to take Grady Dick here. OK, um, Grady Dick is a guy that I've kind of gone back and forth on quite a bit. Um, just based on the day, the defensive film will kind of hit me differently. I think his some of his reactions are are really smart and he sees the game well, but he's not very quick twitch. He's going to have a really hard time just containing bodies at first because of how thin he is. But this is a team that that doesn't shoot a lot of threes that could use help in that area. And as they continue to kind of pursue a title, even if Grady Dick is such a mess defensively in year one, he doesn't play at all. But if he's back in year two, you're still going to have Anthony Davis. You're still going to have LeBron. You're still going to have Jared Vanderbilt. You're still going to have like these big guys that can, can take care of some of that defensive stuff for him. They're going to have a lot of length around him that I think there are going to be ways that he's able to hide on that end of the floor with that roster coming out of the gate and you hope that he finds a way that the defense gets to a point where he can be a long-term starting NBA wing. And I think that the Lakers could present that kind of a proposition for him while giving him you know, a role that he can play. If he has to yep. play a regular season game in a pinch, there's your floor space around a team that needs one. So I, I kind of like to fit uh, both short and long-term here.
1: If Grady Dick is on the board, I agree with you. The Lakers, in my opinion, would not pass on him if they're keeping and making that pick. I, I do think he'd be the selection. So I can't fault you for that one. I'm up at number 18. <laughs> All right. I'm going to surprise you with this one. Oh, boy, I, here I am go. I am not going to go with a few names who I have ahead of this guy, but there's just a part of me with heat culture, with watching what they're doing in the playoffs right now
0: mm-hmm.
1: with Jimmy Butler being Hemi Butler, the man that he's been, why not get someone who can be a Hemi Butler understudy you ready for this one? City Sissoko. At pick 18. Whoa. All right. City, Sissoko all right. To the Miami heat. So what, what do we like about city right now? Right? He is this big wing who is not afraid to play defense. He is not afraid to go to scale down defensively. He's not afraid to scale up defensively. He will go guard your best player on the wing. He can navigate screens. He can certainly keep up with other types of movement. I I think the off-ball defensive stuff is going to eventually come around for him as well to where you're looking at him as one of the more complete defensive wings in this draft class. He crashes the glass. He's one of the most athletic guys in this draft class. He was second in the G League in dunks. That's something that uh, a lot of our friends over at Ignite have wanted to talk about with him. And then the passing vision. His ability to move the ball on a live dribble is some of the best at his position group. In this entire in, in this entire draft class and that feel for being able to move and pass the ball his instincts how he can fit in as a two way wing I absolutely love it and you know who is another bigger wing who we didn't know if he was going to be able to shoot the ball or score well enough to, to certainly stand out as maybe like a third option let alone carrying his team offensively in the playoffs Jimmy Butler. And I'm not saying that City Sissoko is going to develop into Jimmy Butler. Please do not aggregate that. That is not what I'm (laughs) saying. My point is there was another guy just like City who was an underrated prospect, played his way up at Portsmouth, had to prove to others that he was worthy of a draft selection. And City Sissoko is another guy who he played his way through Ignite, played his way through a pro league, he produced. He certainly produced well enough, in my opinion, to be in consideration for a top 20 pick. I can't think of a better situation for him to go to than the Miami Heat. So that's my surprise pick. That That's one of those that I'm going to throw a curveball in this draft, and I love what I did with it. So Maxwell, pick 19, mm. Golden State Warriors, another yeah. high-pressure pick.
0: Yep, yeah, and I know they haven't had the best luck like developing kind of raw guys as of late, but I'm, I'm going to take one anyway. I'm taking Max Lewis with this pick here big wing from Pepperdine. I think if you look at what they've done with Andrew Wiggins, as far as how he's developed in terms of how he's played more consistent defense, how he's become a rebounder, a lot of things that he didn't show in Minnesota, they broke a lot of bad habits with him. And this is a guy that needs some bad habits to be broken. Um, But I think if you want to, you know, talk about the turnovers and some of the stuff he doesn't do well, you got to talk about the fact that he does a lot of things well already. He 44% catch and shoots, Um, was 57.3% of the room in the half court, can really attack, takes big, long strides to the basket. NBA athlete, NBA body. When he wants to lock in, he can guard the ball. He's just got to be more consistent as a defender. He's got to be a a bit slower of a decision maker, which is the opposite of the problem we talk about with most of these guys, right? They catch the ball, they survey. Lewis goes too fast. I'd rather have that. I'd rather have the guy where I, I say, hey, you know what, take a minute. Slow it down. Take it easy. Don't feel like you have to force everything. It's okay to to take a second. Um, I think a lot of the, the issues in his game are fixable. I think he's got a great attitude based on when I interviewed him. I think he's very humble. I think he knows what he needs to work on. And I think if you tell it to him and, and give him the tools to fix his problems, he's gonna do it. And I think that if you just look at the raw production and skill that he has, I think he's a bet I'm willing to take. Um Whether or not he fits in with this core right away, whatever Golden State ends up doing, it seems like there's going to be some turnover there. Who knows? He's the guy I want my organization.
1: I love it. I love the Max Lewis pick. I thought long and hard about it for Miami at 18. The reason why I didn't take him at 18 was because of the defensive flaws that you pointed out, albeit he has the tools and the willingness to continue developing on that side of the ball to succeed. I just didn't know how, I don't know how quickly he's going to develop on that end. And to me, that would be a turn in terms of Miami making that mm-hmm. pick, for example. But nevertheless, I love Max Lewis as a top 20 pick. I think his upside, you and I would agree, his upside could be one of the the 12 best prospects mm-hmm. in, in yeah. this class. So at this point of the draft, you have to take that chance. The Houston Rockets at number 20. I'm in a tough position with this pick because I took Asar at number four. Right, so it kind of it kind of throws a few things out of place. They have a few combo guards already on the roster. They they have they could really use some help on the wing, and they could also use like a backup center that offers more rim protection behind someone like Opera and Shengun. Whether or not the use Monk Aruba experiment is going to work out, that's still uh, to be determined. But I'm not going to go the direction of wing or big. I'm going to go the direction of guard because I think at this point at 20 by my rankings, there's a guy who has fallen long enough who is certainly in my opinion, deserving of a top 20 selection. That's Keontae George. There are, there are people in those ceilings who would have yelled at us that we didn't take him inside the top 10, Mm -hmm. let alone let him fall to 20. But I think the value is too great at this point to let him fall anymore. If he works Maxwell, if he is the absolute best version of himself, it is not out of the question that he could turn out to be a Jamal Murray type of player for a good team in the playoffs. That type of dynamic score, that type of dynamic guard who can work out of DHO sets, who can play alongside a big, like Opera and Shangun for a lot of the reasons I outlined offensively with the Sar Thompson. I think Keontae George could also give you a lot of that at that combo guard spot. And I do trust Keontae defensively. I think he he has been underrated when people talk about him as a player in terms of his defense. So to me, you're getting one of the more complete packages that you can get from a prospect at pick 20. I will take Keontae George for the Houston Rockets. I apologize, Keontae George fans, that he slid this far. I will stop that. Maxwell, you are up pick 21. One of two back-to-back picks for the Brooklyn Nets. Mm -hmm. Who are you going to take first at 21?
0: So I don't know what you're going to do with the second one. So I'm going to do what I... what I think should be their highest priority first, which is swing big. Um, because like I mentioned earlier, kind of with the jazz, right? Like when you're in this situation where you are in the middle, if you've got multiple picks, I think you've got to take like one home run swing at least. Um I am going to take Gigi Jackson with this pick. I think it's a risk. It's a risk. Um but here's how I'm talking myself into it. So GG, there were some reports coming out of the Combine. He, he had one good shooting drill, and then he was not hitting some shots. There was a report, I believe it was from either on three or 24-7, about him looking out of shape. Um, I believe like looking winded after 10 minutes was the quote that, that uh, Tyler Rucker shared uh, on Twitter from that article. Um, he measured with a short wingspan, so he's got to be more big wing than energy big. Look, there's a lot of problems with GG Jackson. There's there's a lot of issues in his game. The defense isn't always consistent. He's not always going to pass. But look, I'm in a position, if I'm Brooklyn, where I do not have a young building block franchise piece. I've got Nick Claxton, who's 23, and can really defend. So I don't really need GG to be in our G. Mm-hmm. I don't need that. Um, Mikael Bridges is 26. I don't know that he's there for the long term. I don't know if they're going to try and blow this thing up because they can get a lot for a lot of those guys, like Dorian Finney-Smith, yep. Cam Johnson. Like, Anytime they want to cash in on those guys, they're going to have offers. Um, I think GG's going to take time. And I think the fact that there are a lot of good forwards on this roster is actually good. Cause I think it, it, you just say, Hey man, look, we're going to put you in the G league for a year and you hope what happened with Leonard Miller happens with him, which is just a strong point a to point B season. And then after that you're in the mix, cause this is a guy who's exceptionally young for college basketball. And you watch that film from earlier in the year. And like the defensive motor was there. The instinct was there. I think he got a little bit dispirited just based on how the season went. But At the end of the day, this is a kid who's got awesome size, really high motor was 17. It's the start of the college basketball season can catch and shoot. There's going to be a lot of rewiring. There's going to be a lot of habit breaking, but even just looking at the player he was two years ago, he's a much different player than he was then. So I don't know how established some of these habits even are. Um, So I I think you hope that you can work stuff out and and develop them and, and turn him into the player that you want him to be, because this is sort of a ball of clay pick. Um, at this point in the draft. But I think if you're Brooklyn, like you're just looking at, you're looking for upside here. And I don't think there's anybody with higher upside left on the board than Gigi.
1: There isn't. And I agree with you in that if you are the Brooklyn nets and you're going to make those back-to-back picks, you take one swing and you take Mm -hmm. a more quote unquote guaranteed pick with, with the other selection. And that's what I will do. I will pair Gigi Jackson in this draft for the nets with Jordan Hawkins out of UConn, another guy who by some consensus boards has certainly slid in this exercise, I he's going to fill an important need for an NBA team, right? Mm-hmm. Shooting and guys who can defend their position, they will always be of value. But I still think there are too many questions about how dynamic he is when he has the ball in his hands. He can turn a corner. He can get downhill out of a DHO set, right? You run him towards the basket. I believe in him being able to get to certain spots, but the, the two-point percentage has not been there for him. The at rim finishing has not been there for him in terms of the, the, the degree that we would like it to be. He is almost exclusively a movement shooter right now with debatable passing feel, and even some of the on-ball defense stuff, depending on who he has to guard in the backcourt. If he has to guard a bigger matchup right now, there's still some questions about it. So there, there's a lot to like. There's also a lot to possibly not like, which is why I think he's fallen for us in this exercise. But at 22, that'd be great value for Brooklyn to pick up a player who, they have plenty of experience with guys like him. They, they have made success with Joe Harris. They've made success with Seth Curry. Go get another guy like that and Jordan Hawkins in the first round on a cheaper contract. So that, that's my selection for them at 22. Maxwell, you're up at 23 mm. for the Blazers via the Knicks. I don't know what you're going to do. There is one player who this might be one of my favorite fits that I've been thinking about in the draft. I don't know if you're going to take them. Maybe I'll shed a little bit of light on that. If you okay. don't take them. Yeah. I've yeah, been yeah. cooking up though with, with Portland. Where are you going to go?
0: I'm taking Jalen hood. Shafino here. Okay. Um, I think this is an organization that has been perpetually plagued by the fact that their guards are really small. <laughs> um, I think this gives you a bigger guard. I think it gives you a straw that serves the, that serves the drink on a team with a lot of guys that are kind of wired to score. Um. Here comes the guy who's wired to pass, and I think that again, like looking forward, uh, you know, even in the immediate, he can pair next to Dame and Anfernee Simons. But going forward, him and Simons, like he's he, now you got a guard that's got a bit more length to him, a bit more size, a bit more creating for others oriented. Um, and I think when he's surrounded by guys like like Shaden Sharp, like a Brandon Miller who we took earlier some of the athleticism concerns and things like that become a little less worrisome. Some of the rim pressure stuff is a little bit less worrisome. Um, I, I just think he's mature. I think he's going to find ways to contribute on an NBA floor and just be that modern connector piece. I know we didn't shoot that well off the catch, but he's been so good off the dribble for so long mm-hmm. that I do think that is eventually going to turn. Um, but yeah. I, I kind of like the JHS fit here.
1: I have questions about him. He's dropped on my board to around this, this 22, 23 range. If he hits, he has lottery upside. He had some of the highest highs of any player that we could watch in this class on tape, but some of the questions, some of the turnover questions, some of the shooting questions, I, I and the fact that he didn't defend up to the level that we thought he would based on the high school tape there, yeah. there are just some reasons why he's fallen for me and this exercise, and, and and for Maxwell. So 23, Jalen Huchofino. You did not take the player who I okay. would have loved for the mm-hmm. Blazers to take, which is why I'm going to swoop in and take him for the Kings because I think they need him for the exact same reasons. James Nagy out of Barcelona. Man, this guy is a mountain. He is 7 feet, 250 pounds, one of the more physical presences that we can find in this class at the center position. He is athletic. He has, I would say, a good motor to him. He doesn't have the same level motor as like an Adem Bona, for example, out of UCLA, but I think his potential in a lot of the same ways in terms of defending in space, protecting the rim, Playing the type of drop coverage that you would want him to play, as to what's working in NBA basketball, when you are playing a drop, I think he's one of the perfect bigs to do it. He's physical. He's going to outmuscle you in the glass, and boy, do the Sacramento Kings need someone who can help Damanis Sabonis rebound the ball and back him up from that center position. So I think he makes a lot of sense in Sacramento for the same reasons I would have wanted him in Portland, backing up someone like Yusuf Nurkic, for example. So I will take James Naji off the board. Maxwell, you're up for Memphis at pick 25.
0: Yeah, so I think one of the big things that, that plugged Memphis in the playoffs was just like a lack of shooting, um, particularly as it comes to some of those other wing spots. Um, I'm going to kind of swing a little bit here. I think there's a safe oh option and a swing option, and I'm going to take the swing option. Go for it. So here's here's my, my justification on the swing option. I think Jake LaRavia is going to be that guy. I think if you look at what Jake okay. LaRavia did this season, even in, you know, limited NBA games, right? Like he played like what, like 30, 35 NBA games, but already 33.8% from three on a couple of attempts per game. I think he's going to get there. I, I do think he's going to like be a real NBA shooter with size and length. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to take a, a swing. Cause I think I've got that guy. I think I've got my safe guy last year in LaRavia. I'm going to take Derek Whitehead. Okay. Pick. So this is a guy that, Look, there's real concerns. This is a guy with dual foot injuries. You know, back-to-back foot injuries on the same foot. Um not the best ball mover, nor in college nor in high school. Even in college some or even in high school some of the finishing stuff, the numbers aren't quite what I expected them to be looking back at them. But he can really make jump shots. And I think even if you look at his defensive metrics given how like hobbled he was this year, they're not that bad. Um nope. I think I think Greek Still has a solid path as long as he's healthy. And I think there's no question that he can make jump shots. Um, so yeah, does the defense need work? Yes. But I think that if if you can get a medical on him that says like he's gonna be all right, I, I love him for Memphis here. He's got a got a strong body, can really shoot it, fills that need, gives you kind of another high upside piece that to to keep building with.
1: That's the key. What does the medical look like? If the medicals check out and he's going to be back to himself within a couple of years, you're talking about a guy who at one point preseason was number three overall on my board. It's not that we don't believe in him. It's just there's a lot for him to overcome right now. We wish him nothing but the best. Memphis would get great value choosing him at 25. I'm up for the Indiana Pacers via the Cleveland Cavaliers. Chris Murray, to me, is an easy pick for the Pacers. It looks like Maxwell Mm -hmm. wanted to take him with his next pick. But nevertheless, he, he's not the springiest athlete. He's not the best mover on the court, but you know who he is. He's a cerebral player who can shoot the hell out of the ball. He knows where he needs to be. He rebounds for his position. And I I, I don't love his defense, but I trust him enough, given how many minutes in the role he's likely to have, to, to recoup that value on the offensive side of the ball. So I'll take Chris Murray for the Pacers. Maxwell, sorry, bud. You got to go a different direction here Yeah, the court, it's a twenty-seven.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a a bit of a bummer. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I'm pretty disappointed. I I really wanted Chris Murray there. And now you're going to get a panicked pick. You're going to get a real panic reaction. Oh, boy. This is Charlotte
1: running up to the board without a plan. (laughs) Yep, it is.
0: It is. Uh, I I really thought Chris Murray was going to be here for me, and he's not. What I think Charlotte needs is more guys that can defend. And I think they... They got some culture concerns, right? Like this is a team that has had a lot of off the court issues, and we got them. Scoot Henderson earlier, correct? That's who we took for them. That is correct. I want to continue building that culture, so I'm going to take a guy that I've I've heard some really good character anecdotes about throughout the season. A guy with size, and baby, it's time to overreact to the NBA Combine. We're taking Olivier Maxence Prosper (laughs) for Charlotte Hornets here. (laughs) We're going for it. We're reaching. We're reaching, but I feel pretty good because everyone said like, look, this guy has improved tremendously year over year, every year he comes back. He's playing more. He's doing more. He's scoring more. He's got this polished face-up game took, you know, basically an extra three per game. The percentage went up good free throw shooter. I do think he's going to be an okay shooter in the long run, double his points per game really stays in front. I think there's a bit more to him as a passer in a yep. ball handler based on what we saw at the combine. We're like at Marquette. You he just did not have the ball. He right? was like, running
1: pick and rolls at the combine. Like, yeah. what are we talking about?
0: And like, and like his, his usage was like lower than you would expect because like Cam Jones can score. Kolek like sets everybody up. Oso sets everybody up. Like he just wasn't in a position to have the ball very much. Um, but I also know he can do a lot off the ball because that's yep. what he's been doing. Um, it's just more length. It's more size on a team that needs it at the four spot, the three spot. Is it a reach? Yeah, but I'm I'm resetting the culture and I'm buying what he's going to be long-term.
1: By our consensus rankings, mm-hmm. it's technically a reach yep. at 45. However, I can guarantee that he will be higher than that on our respective mm-hmm. boards by the time we do this exercise again before the draft. So maybe it's not as big of a reach as we think, but it is the first player we've selected up to this point in the first round, who ranks outside of the first round by our composite board. I'm bringing it back. Pick 28, the Utah Jazz via the Philadelphia 76ers. That hurts to say, but I will still make a great pick for the Utah Jazz because we gave them two guys who, in my opinion, I think even if they aren't lighting the world on fire when they first come into the NBA, I do think certainly in Bryce's case that he will contribute. And I also think that Kobe Buffkin's going to be able to contribute in a role When he comes into the NBA as well, albeit maybe it's not his ideal role or his ideal ideal production that we would like to have based on projection being taken near the lottery. So I think we can take a project here. Give me Noah Clowney for the Utah Jazz, someone who you and I both really like Noah Clowney. I think if he hits his upside, he is the perfect modern forward that the NBA is looking for, right? Someone who can defend in space, can switch, can guard multiple positions, can shoot the three, was a better finisher at the rim than given credit for. Someone who's gonna dunk at home more than better than you can give a credit for, someone who loves rebounding, particularly on the offensive glass. Noah Clowney to me is the type of project that you you talk and take. And if it works. Talk about the versatility, the athleticism that they can get at that four spot to complement a skilled guy like Lowry at the three or Bryce Sensabaugh, and then you have Walker Kessler still to help him out at that five spot. So Noah Clowney for the Jazz. Maxwell, you could take another player for the Pacers here at 29 Mm -hmm. via the Celtics. Who are you going with?
0: Yeah, so this is the Pacers pick. Um, A lot of the guys I was eyeing have come off the board in the last few picks. So, again, I'm going to reach a little bit, not as we've reached on our board, but a guy that I've cooled on a little bit based on where I had ranked him last time. Um, I'm going to take Bobby Clintman with this pick for the Pacers. This is is a team that needs a lot of size. Um, I do still ultimately buy his feel. Um, I I think he's a really good three-point shooter too, right? like He's like 39% from three this year at Wake. Um, track record really solid for a player with his size i buy the mechanics and defensively like he's a really mobile guy he's gonna use some extra weak side rim protection which like defensively we're putting together a real monster here right with like miles turner with uh men thompson like we're we're really putting the putting the pieces together for this team defensively with me taking guard from them earlier it's like really really important that they get size here is Bobby a project? Yes, but I do buy their player development. Ultimately, I think they've done a pretty good job getting guys up to speed in recent years. You look what they did with with Sabonis, with Miles Turner. Um, they've they've done a really good job. So I, I'm I'm taking a bit of a cut and I'm, I'm going for Bobby.
1: And, and he's been all but assuredly given a first round promise. At this point, we, we like obviously it, yeah. don't know who the team is, but it is smart at this point to project him going somewhere in the first round. So at the end of the first round, He's a little bit of a mystery man. We don't know a ton about the full extent of his game because he wasn't given too much opportunity at Wake Forest. Didn't do a ton until, you know, certainly one game towards the end of the regular season. And then he did have that great shooting output in the ACC tournament. But again, a little bit of a mystery man. That's why I think it makes sense if you're going to take a swing on him to do it at the end of the first round, like Maxwell's doing with the Pacers. And at pick number 34, the LA Clippers, boy, I could go a few interesting directions. What I will do, though, I know this guy's been built more of as a combo guard. I actually do think he has enough juice to play the point. I think he offers some of the same shooting versatility that they have in some of these other guards, and I think he defends better than a lot of the other guards they have on the roster. I'll take Marcus Sasser out of Houston with Mm -hmm. this pick. I, I, I really trust what he's going to bring to an NBA team from day one. I could have certainly taken him a few spots higher. I think getting him at 30, in my opinion, is great value. I know, I I think you were expecting me to go with another hot name out of the combine, but Mm -hmm. I have a feeling he will be taken at some point very soon by us. Nevertheless, I will go with Marcus Sasser. We will take one more break. When we come back, we are going to go rapid fire through the second round. Stay tuned. All right, Maxwell, we're back. We're going to fly through the second round rapid fire as we did last mock posit. You're up 31 for the Detroit Pistons. Who are you taking?
0: Give me Brandon Pajemski. I'm just taking a guy that I think is an NBA player at this stage. Um, Do they need a guard? Eh, Not really. Probably better than Killian Hayes. So I'm going to take Pajemski here. Sure. Sure. No,
1: Brian Bichemski makes a lot of sense. He has risen up boards, skyrocketed up boards after the Combine. There is rumors he could go in the late teens, Mm -hmm. early 20s. So getting him here seems like great value from a consensus standpoint. I am up 32 to the Indiana Pacers, making another selection here. Uh, I will go Ryan We We would think that he's coming over to the NBA, but if for whatever reason he would choose to stay overseas, play another year with the NBL – maybe another professional league overseas could be a stash option for the Pacers who they're running out of roster spots quickly, given what we're doing, even with that third two way. So I'll take repair Maxwell 33 San Antonio Spurs, another team who is mm-hmm. also kind of running out of roster spots quickly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But it's a team that needs a lot of shooting. Um, they are, and like it's Stefan Vassell and, and that's that. And that's, so, that's um, and, and Victor. <laughs> well, yeah, and they'll have Victor too. That, that he's he's for for his position, pretty good shooter, I would say. Yep. Um, I'm gonna give him Ben Shepherd here.
1: Um, Beautiful pick. I
0: I, I think he's a, he's a guy. He's a guy.
1: Ben Shepard rates out 33rd on, on my updated board. He's gonna stay there. He showed out at the combine. Uh, mm. Really has some more juice to his game that I think give him credit for. Charlotte Hornets pick number 34. I will continue to give them some front court defense. Some. Passing ability out of that front court spot. Another high-low option. Someone who can work with Scoot Henderson, LaMelo, Bottle, those DHO sets. I will take Trace Jackson Davis for the Charlotte Hornets. Maxwell, you're up. Boston, via the Trailblazers, pick number 35.
0: Yeah, I really liked TJD here. Um, That's a bummer. Oh, boy. Uh, Let's go. Let's just roll the dice. Let's go with Andre Jackson here. Like, okay. I, I think this is a roster that's got enough shooting on it. And they, they do like their bigger guards, right? Like it's a lot of Marcus smart. It's a lot of Malcolm Brogdon, Derek white. Like they like size at those positions and they like guys that can defend. Obviously the shot needs a lot of work. I think you just hope that you develop it. Like they did for Jalen Brown. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, they, yep. they've done it. Uh, so, so they've got the track could kind of doing it. I, I'm taking that upside cut here. I think he kind of fits everything else they do, like with just defensive intensity, athleticism, length, size. Uh, so you just hope the shot gets to a point where it's respectable. That
1: that to me, listen, the, the 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 jack of all trades, the as some would like to call him, Andre Jackson could do a lot and certainly provide chaos in, in the back end of a lineup. Thirty six, the Orlando Magic are up for me. They would be doing backflips if this player was still available at this point, Colby Jones, I mean, Colby Jones, I, I do think he's going to be gone by the 25th pick on draft night, but in this particular exercise, he did fall. And if he were to fall boy, Orlando could use his services. So Colby Jones at number 36, Maxwell, Oklahoma city thunder via the wizards at 37.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can never have too much shooting. And something you've talked about with the thunder a little bit is that they're not a great rebounding team. Yes. Um, so I'm going to take a shooter who can rebound. I'm going to take Julian Strother with this pick. And I think with the guys like lively and like Chet Holmgren that we've got here, it makes you feel a little bit better about the fact that like there are real defensive concerns with him. Um, so yeah, I, I dig the fit. I, I think that he kind of fits well with what they have. And I think it's another case where his struggles are going to be insulated, right? Like the lack of defense, the lack of playmaking, like it's, there's so many other guys that can do those things on that team that I think they're, it gives him a real path to just safely develop what he can do.
1: So 38 for the Sacramento Kings. I gave them James Naji earlier. So I addressed the area of need in the front court. So now I feel like I can take a little bit of a swing here with the 38th pick. And boy, if it works out. If we are dead wrong about this player and he is worth a pick far earlier than where I'm taking him, then Sacramento Kings fans would just be jumping up and down. Nick Smith Jr. out of Arkansas. Oh my here. gosh.
0: I completely forgot he was still on the board. Gosh. That's he, an L. That's an L for me. I I I apologize to Nick Smith.
1: I, I think like again, Colby Jones, Nick Smith, two names who we could absolutely hear taken in the first round. We decided to take some other swings with those picks, but again, if it works, Sacramento Kings fans are going to be very happy. Charlotte Hornets via the Jazz, pick number thirty-nine, Maxwell.
0: Man, I'm kicking myself that Nick Smith was still on the board and I was, I was taking some of these guys. No offense. No offense to the guys I've taken. I I, I would have. Would have tried to hit a home run. So, okay, so the Charlotte Hornets, um, we've we've done some okay stuff with them. We've got them some size. We've got them some defense. We're working on, on getting the culture in a better place there. Um, let's take a bit of a bet. I know that, like, maybe betting on two non-shooters is a little bit risky, but I really like Jordan Walsh. Okay, there you go. And so with Jordan Walsh, he cannot shoot. His touch is pretty dang bad on some tougher looks, but that's all he needs to do, right? Like it's a, you got one thing you got to work on. Everything else is there. Great feel, NBA frame, good length, competitor, high feel. Give me Jordan Walsh. Again, like culture standpoint too. I kind of like it. I, I, I like his attitude. Um, I love how he competes. I love that there was a lot of talk about how like, Hey, I might not go in this year. I I think he's got a good head on his shoulders and I'm, I'm willing to bet on that. I know that we're not giving Scoot the best shooters around him, but I I think you still just need talent on your team. And and you do. Walsh has it.
1: I I would have taken him with the next pick for the Nuggets via the Mavs. At pick Mm. number 40, I would have absolutely taken Walsh instead. I will go with a guard who, in my opinion, has a similar style game. To that of a Jamal Murray, a combo guard who can get his own, but also loves to work with another big who can pass the ball out of pick and roll. So we've seen the formula work for for Jamal Murray, maybe in a smaller, a a little less significant sample size type role. Trey Alexander out of Creighton, I think, could could certainly work in that Denver style offense. So I will take him at pick number 40. Maxwell, up again for the Charlotte Hornets. By by the Mm. way, one one thing, shout out to Navi who always hits me in the dms asking questions about a san antonio spurs he, he's been asking me about these teams with multiple second round picks w- what's going to happen with a team who has to quote unquote make all of these picks yet the roster spots are filling up quick some of these yeah. picks navi they're going to get traded they're going to get sold Cold. off we're, yeah we're, we're going to see this happen a lot on draft night particularly with a team like the hornets they will not keep and make all of these picks, but in this exercise, guess what? We're not owners. We're not trading them. We're not selling them. If we're making them, Maxwell, who are you going with at 41?
0: Uh man. I, I the hornets need need more shooting, and there's not a ton of it. Did, did the, the pool board. dry
1: up a little bit for you already? It did.
0: It did. Um, let's let's just give them landers Nolly. Like this is kind of rich. Oh. It's kind of rich, right? But I think they desperately need shooting and I'm just like hoping that the rest of the game comes together. And again, a guy with defensive concerns, who's going to be insulated with guys like Mark Williams around him. So
1: they, they need an older guy in the room, right? Plain and simple. And he is, listen, wings who can shoot threes, defend their position and have experience come in. They generally get an NBA opportunity. So maybe it's not too rich. 42, the Washington Wizards via the Bulls. Let's give him a versatile ball handler out of UCLA. Let's give him Jaime Jaquez, a wing who can come in. Man, he can make good decisions for an NBA team right out of the gate. Maybe he's not giving you a little bit of pop defensively, which is why he is being looked at as a second-round pick as opposed to a first-rounder. But everything else about his game offensively, boy, he can do a little bit of everything. So he is a good fit for Washington at 42. Maxwell, you're back on the clock with the Trailblazers via the Hawks at
0: 43. Let's uh so we gave him a big earlier right you took naji for them
1: uh the the trailblazers earlier that's who i wanted to give them you actually gave them jalen Hutchefino. so you went with guard
0: oh that's right that's right so we we could use a big let's get uh let's get a dembona here uh great, great obviously tech. a guy who's dealing with a shoulder injury wasn't able to do much at the combine but i think a guy who can do the simple stuff really well and is going to be in a position Again, whether now or later, we're like he's not going to have the ball in his hands a ton, so he can function as that play finisher, that lob threat, that dunker spot guy, while guarding up and down on defense and really protecting the rim.
1: I love it. I think they could certainly use someone with his defensive acumen in that front court to back up Nurkic. 44 for the Spurs via the Raptors. I've been talking about on social media how I think the, the Spurs need to target or find a point guard who can get... Victor Wembanyama, the ball, who can play off of him, who can help keep that offense moving while also obviously offering the shooting ability away from the ball to, to be that catch and shoot threat when the ball stops with him. Amari Bailey's proven a combine week. He can do that. I think he'd mm-hmm. be a great pick for the Spurs at 44, another guy who he's not quite like the other guards they have on the roster, but still gives them some of that you know, offensive pop they want from a shooting perspective, if everything's working for him and he can change pace, play out of pick and roll Maxwell 45 Memphis Grizzlies via the Timberwolves.
0: Yeah. Uh, they, they like their versatile defensive big men. And I think when Jaron Jackson isn't healthy, it's like, all right, like the, there's just a little bit less dynamism. I mean, you've got your Brandon Clarks, you've got, um, so you Tillman, you've got Steven Adams, Some of those guys are getting older. Some of those guys are on big contracts. There's all sorts of stuff going on with the CBA and the cap and things like that. They might want to move on from some of them at some point as they have to pay them more. Um, Let's give him another one. Let's go with Deron Holmes. Okay. Give him a nice athletic, big man, still really thin, still has some work to do, but he can pass. Uh, He's not selfish and he's going to be able to guard up and down. Kind of suits well for the playoffs if he can hit. So we'll, we'll give him a, give him uh, to the Grizzlies here
1: for once you took one of my picks and now yeah, I had to yeah. scramble a little bit, but I will stop scrambling because the Atlanta Hawks via the Pelicans at 46, the Hawks always need defense, defense and more defense. So we hope they have enough offense everywhere else in the roster, which is why a guy like Kevin McCullough could make sense mm-hmm. on the wing for a team like Atlanta 47 Maxwell. Oh boy. You get to do the honor of making another pick for the Los Angeles Lakers. Mm-hmm. Who are you going with?
0: Um, so I'm gonna go kind of in a similar path still. I, I kind of like McCullough here. This guy, not as good of a field player, but I'm a little bit more optimistic about his feel. And I do think that with his defense, so this is my pie in the sky comparison I threw out to you a little while ago. There's a little bit of Kyle Kuzma in him. A little oh. bit of Kyle Kuzma if he can get the passing oh, field boy. and if he can get the jump shot to go. I'm gonna take Tumani Kamara for the Lakers here. Um that's like my ultimate, like if everything in the world goes right scenario for him. Right. But um, I think he's a really, really strong, physically powerful player. Who's going to be ready for NBA physicality. Even if the skills aren't all the way there yet, really knows how to defend can guard up and down super powerful, really light on his feet, very quick can guard down. Well knows how to finish plays. Um, I think when he has the ball less, I think he's going to be a better decision maker and he was like around thirty-seven percent on catch and shoot three. So I don't think the jumper is broken. Um, so I think if the jumper gets to a good place, right? Like this is a guy who's really physical and can really defend that has like prototypical NBA size. So like he's very close to being a guy who could play in a playoff game. Um, and I think that's kind of why I like Tumani Kamara a lot more than other people's. I I really think he's close. Um, so, so I, I wouldn't mind even if it's just like you're in South Bay for a year before you're ready, but I like it.
1: So Kamara's been a guy who you and I've been talking about in those ceilings very much so recently because he was a Portsmouth guy and he was not mm-hmm. only a Portsmouth guy but he was a Portsmouth standout guy. Yep. He produced at Dayton. I think my hangups with him in the past have been if you ask him to do a little bit too much, the package kind of falls apart a little bit. But if you have him in a role player context, if you have him around guys who can get him the ball and know how to make decisions, don't ask him to make those decisions, and he's more of a play finisher. Boy, he can work to, to great results. And he did that at Portsmouth. He's done that at the Combine. Mm-hmm. Kamara, yeah, I, I think he's going to be taken in the second round, 100%. I, I really do. So good pick by you at 47. Clippers at pick 48. I will go with a player. They, they, they sold off. I shouldn't say sold off. They traded a player very similar to this guy in Keon Johnson not that long ago. But I think if everything works for him, and if he were to stay in this draft, I don't think he will. But as of this moment, when we're making these selections, he's in the draft. I'll take Julian Phillips as a glue guy who I I still think, given his defense, his size, athletic profile, makes a lot of sense to better complement some of the other pieces on that roster. Maxwell, Cleveland Cavaliers via the Warriors at forty nine
0: yeah cleveland's another team that just needs guys that can make shots there's not a ton of shooting on the board um let's well uh, there is depending depending
1: on how much you trust it
0: yeah this is why i shouldn't have taken lander's nolly at like 25 (laughs) or whatever i did that was stupid uh let's give them Ah, they still need like any wing that can shoot oh boy um you know <laughs> Max, what? I'm, Maxwell's in a rock and a hard let's, place. Right uh, you know what? They've got enough defenders. Let's let's get crazy. Let's give them a Monty Bates.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: Let's let's hope the Cleveland culture is, is in a place that they can uh can kind of workshop some of the flaws. Cause I think he tried at the combine. Like he, he was did. moving the ball, he, he was trying defensively. Um I don't know. Like they they've got a bunch of threes that can like only defend. Um let's try the opposite. <laughs> let's, let's try three that they can only shoot uh no i i i do think that like there's real athletic deficiencies there obviously he's not super long um playing him alongside those two guards could be tricky um but a team with with uh jared allen and evan mobley maybe you can get away with it uh he's the kind of swing i'm i'm willing to take at 49 if i'm the calves
1: and speaking of swings at this point in the draft at pick 50 Gonna get value and take Traquavion Smith because yep. if he if he works out once upon a time, this guy was trending towards the lottery at some points last draft cycle. I, I get that he's fallen off a little bit this draft cycle. He had a, an okay combine game, and his first one was very shaky to say the least. But if you're getting him at pick 50, that that athletic uh that athletic shooting combo at this point, too much for me to pass on for the thunder at pick 50. So Maxwell. 51 with Brooklyn Nets.
0: Yeah, I kind of am at the point where I'm just gonna like take the guy that I that I think is the safest because like most of these picks don't turn out, right? Like so if, if there's a guy that you're like, I think this guy will be around the league for a long time, like I think in this range you generally just take him. Um I'm not a big deer on Sharp believer, never really have been. Um, but there is a center I like quite a bit left on the board here, and that's Cliff Amori out of Rutgers. Um measured crazy long, right? Like seven, six wingspan, super mobile plays his butt off. Rim runs hard, gets back on defense. Every trip down the court. I think he's just going to be around for a long time. There aren't that many guys that are as toolsy and athletic as he is. And and even if he's a bit raw, the way that he, I always buy the guys who play really hard are going to find ways to get better. And I think that's going to be the case with the Maury.
1: I think that was a great pick. I'm 52 for the Phoenix suns. I would have loved to get somebody like Ben Shepard here. I think a week ago that was 100% possible. Now, unfortunately, I I don't think there is a world in which it's possible, but we can still get a dynamic backup point guard, someone who can also provide shooting and and versatile shot making when he's on. Mike Miles out of TCU has slipped a little bit from where we were once projecting him. Again, okay combine performance, not what we probably would have wanted to see, but Mm -hmm. value at 52 Mike miles going to the Phoenix suns, Maxwell, Minnesota Timberwolves via the New York Knicks make Metcalf happy at 53. Yeah.
0: I think, I think I'm going to, cause I think he likes this guy. I'm going to take another rough combine guy. I'm going to take Jalen Wilson here. Okay. Um, I think, I think the hope with Jalen Wilson is that if he can just shoot at average, he'll be fine. Like he does a lot of stuff. Okay. Like he, he sees the floor. All right. Solid competitor defensively, even if he's not like a big time playmaker. um, yeah, like just knows how to play a role. And I think that the hope is that if he's an okay shooter, he he brings you some depth to this wing position. It's a little bit shallow and a little bit small um, for them. It's a lot of like oversized guys that that can't really score or guys that are a little on the short side. Like they're, they're positionally just kind of weird yep. at those was like two, three, four spots. So um, yeah, I think if Jalen Wilson can, can hit, he, he sort of fills a nice little need for them there.
1: So 54 for the Sacramento Kings. I will take Arthur Kaluma, another forward who, you know, fits that combo forward archetype. What we thought was going to show much more offensive polish coming into this season. Unfortunately that didn't happen for him. And his defense was also hit or miss at times. If everything ends up working out for him, I do think he can provide more value than the 54th pick, which is why I'm hoping he goes back to school to better improve his draft stock. But if he's still here, I think Kings fans would be happy to get him with the 54th pick. Maxwell, pick 55, or we're almost through the mock draft. We can yeah. do it. Four more picks.
0: Yeah, let's give him Naquan Tomlin. Just a guy who's love it. Kind of weird that he wasn't the combine. I don't know what's going on if it's just like maybe Team Siggy's going back to school, saying so put him down. I don't know. Uh, a lot of upside if he hits late, late comer to the game, gives him size. I think he's sneaky, good at passing. Um, yeah. Let, let's try. <laughs> that, that's all
1: we can do, right? That's all we can do is, is at least try. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I also think he's going back to school, but if he's, he, he declared, if he's still in the draft, mm-hmm. we can, we can still pick him up to this point. 56 Memphis Grizzlies. I will give them Jalen Clark. His, his latest injury is a little scary going to take a little bit of time to recover from. But if he does fully recover, you can argue taking him, shoot, 20 spots, 15 to 20 spots higher than where I'm getting him at 56 was one of the best defensive players in the country in college basketball for UCLA and helped have UCLA the type of season that propelled them in the, in the NCAA tournament. So Jalen Clark at 56 to the Grizzlies. Maxwell,
0: Wizards via the Celtics, pick 57. Yep. So there's two guys left. I'm not wild about either of them, but I'm going to take Durasic because I don't necessarily have to yep. have him on my team right away. Uh, so I'm just going to hope that the shooting is a slump and that it comes around overseas.
1: Pull well, Durasic, pick 57. That leaves me the final pick on the night, pick 58. I have a few names I can choose from. I am not in love with the majority of them, so I will just take the guy I trust the most at this point. That would be Adam Flagler out of Baylor so mm-hmm. that is the end of mock posit 7.0 Maxwell any any final thoughts on how the exercise turned out? did we get a little too crazy do you think we we ended up playing it you know as well as we could have where do you think we landed with this mock
0: yeah I re- I thoroughly regret the Landers Nolly pick I like <laughs> Landers Nolly but that's the one that any I any other way like, we what, could have talked about it Earth. Maxwell's
1: regrets a second round pick that's that's yeah. so my brand
0: yeah, I, I wish I could have that one back, but other than that, I uh, I, I feel pretty good, and I, I do think that like if they could get him on a two-way, or if they get him with that other pick that they have, that's like, uh, did they have another one? No, they didn't have another one. That was the last one. All right. Well, yeah, I, I, I don't feel good about that one, but I think I like the way our the top of our board shook out. I like the top part of this draft. I thought it was very interesting. I thought the Asar wrinkle with the Rockets was different, and I didn't anticipate it, but... It made for made for some fun discussion.
1: I think it did, and that's that's the one pick that I would circle as well. Where if we did this mock positive exercise again, when we do it again, I I can't imagine that Asar will be the pick. But I think the Rockets should be open to not just the men, but also Asar because of how mm-hmm. he can complement and build out the rest of his offensive game and how he can fit with everyone else. So other, other than that, I really do like a lot of the, the the directions that we went in this mock positive exercise, but. Hopefully you in the audience found our discussion and our picks certainly interesting. We will have a physical copy of this mock posit draft up on social media shared with the episode. So if you're not following me on Twitter at draft deeper, if you're not following Maxwell on Twitter at bound boards or the, the most egregious sin of them all, if you're not following no ceilings NBA on Twitter at no ceilings NBA, please make sure you're doing so because we are always sharing stuff on social media, all of our content platforms, IG, TikTok. YouTube. If you want content, just follow us. I promise we're going to give you all the draft content you can handle. And most importantly, the Substack, noslingsnba.com. We have plenty more content coming. Maxwell, by the time you listen to this podcast, we'll have a full NBA draft combine recap up, like you said at the top of the episode. Please don't miss that. I will be breaking down some fun draft scenarios at the top of the lottery. Some of these teams will have difficult decisions to make. What would I advise them to do? If I were in that position and oh, by the way, one last plug home and away Tuesday morning. I promise you don't want to miss it. Should I I give it away? Yeah, it's
0: time. People want to know because I know and I've been like having a hard time keeping my mouth shut about it. If if people are still listening
1: to this podcast an hour, 42 minutes in, they do deserve to know who the home and away guest is. I have coach Jason Hart of G League Ignite joining me on an episode of home and away. I promise he was, he was a fantastic guest, someone who's been around the game a high level for a long time. You do not want to miss some of his thoughts and takes on his guys, as well as where the game of basketball is going, where the G league is at. I promise it's thoughtful and engaging conversation. So make sure you're staying tuned to the podcast platform, wherever you get your podcast up a podcast, Spotify, YouTube for this show, as well as many others, including the home and away episode dropping on Tuesday morning. But Until we meet again on this podcast, thank you so much for listening. I hope you all have a wonderful rest of your week.